You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, everybody. It's Katie Harris, owner and CEO of Nursepreneurs. And today I am here with Eric Dorsey. Um, I'm very excited. <laughs> Welcome, Eric. Um, so Eric is a nurse and an author, and he's going to tell us all about both actually today. So if you have questions, comments, be sure to put them into the comment section as we go along and we can ask Eric any questions we come up with. And uh, well, maybe related to nursing and books, uh, keep it to that. But uh, Eric, why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourself um, as a nurse? What kind of nurse are you? And, and uh, we'll take it from there. Okay. Well, hello, everybody. And I'm really excited to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. And anybody who watches this recorded later, hello to you as well. Um, I'm a nephrology nurse currently, inpatient only, so mostly dialysis um, with some apheresis working in a hospital. But my background is ICU, and I did that until I burned out. Um, and I got really interested in nephrology, uh, working with a nephrologist in ICU capacity and doing CRRT, the continuous replacement. Uh, continuous renal replacement therapy, which I thought was super cool. And uh, I really enjoy being a dialysis nurse and it's incredibly autonomous. It's really easy to travel and go to different hospitals. And uh, it's a very concrete benefit to the patients. You, know, you watch the numbers. I've had multiple times where I was running a hyperkalemic in the ICU and you know they've got uh, peak T waves and uh, wide QRSs from their potassium being high and 45 minutes into treatment, it uh, resolves and you know, yeah, I did that. You're welcome. So that's uh, that's that's really rewarding part of that job. Uh, before that, I, I, to back up a little farther, I have a background in finance, and I uh, spent 10 years doing analytics. I have a master's in math, um, but I didn't find that very rewarding. And uh, finally, found my calling and going back to nursing school and worked on an ambulance while I was in nursing school, and that was great. And uh, ICU experience was amazing. And uh, yeah, like I said, I like being uh, nephrology now. So you went from finance, you were uh, 10 years in finance, uh, got a master's in math, then went to nursing. What was the impetus for changing from huh. math to nursing? Well, um, I had a pretty successful career in finance and, you know, sort of a white picket fence life. And uh, I did analytics at the back office with my math degree and all that, the crash in 08. That's kind of the, what I was doing. And I just, I mean, basically I would sit at my desk and wonder what the point was as I was watching the bank's bottom dollar and not really helping anybody. And when the crash happened, uh, I was really in high demand. The, the company threw all kinds of new employees at me. And uh, I was just like, you know, somebody who actually wants to do this needs to be doing this. And that's when I, I signed up for my EMT, um, right when that happened, doing that at night. And as soon as I got picked up by an ambulance company, um, I resigned. And it was just this great weight off my shoulders where I felt like I was actually doing something. But I'll tell you, the, the transition from like Friday in an office um, at my desk at the bank and then the next Monday with my first shift in an ambulance. And uh, that was a talk about a wake up call. It was quite different. My favorite joke to myself for the first couple of years doing that was uh, I never saw that at the bank. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that must have been exhilarating to go from a, a desk job to like EMT life. Uh, yeah, my first call was a, a ridiculous uh, bed sore where the guy had fallen out of bed and ripped it open. I had never seen so much blood. And I was just like, oh, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> uh, really, really helped him out. And yeah. Good about it afterwards. And I was just like, that, that one call was enough for me to be like, okay, this is, this is so much better. This is, I'm actually really doing something now instead of just playing with numbers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that, that's really exciting. And that's a really hard transition to do, to go from like, a comfortable, well-paying job to the complete unknown. And, you know, I'm sure that you went from, you know, uh, with a master's in math to EMT, you must have taken some sort of pay cut. Um, <sighs> but it doesn't matter at some level if you're miserable in, in what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a cute observation because uh, sometimes people ask me one of the things I'm most proud of, and I uh, that's often what I cite, that I took a 90% pay cut to look for meaning. Yeah, that, that, that's huge. So, um, all right. So you went from EMT to how did you get into, uh, you decided you were going to be a nurse from EMT? Well, uh, nursing was always the plan once I left the, uh, the bank. And uh, EMS was just sort of, it was something I could do at night to get my basic certification. And then I could get some patient care experience while I was doing uh, nursing and have a little bit of an income anyway. And so that was just sort of a transitory job. I, I had originally thought I would do ER and working on ambulance cured me of that, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, the ER. That's a special breed of nurse. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So you went from, uh, so you started nursing. And where where did you go from there? What did you start doing? And Well, actually, I, I moved directly out of school so that I, I scored a day shift ICU job. That's tough. Um, yeah, which is pretty unusual, but I went to a very sort of undesirable, low-pay location uh, just to do that, and it was kind of a nurse uh, factory there where they, people would work a year and then move once they had that year under their belt and could get a better job, and I did that as well. Um, but that was, that was a great experience. Let me tell you, that job, we didn't have any support. Like, we did everything in ICU, um, and we, we were just slammed. It was a level one trauma center, and I, I learned so much in that. I was there a year and a half almost, and... It was, it was intense. Uh, and I, I also would rotate through the different ICUs there. So I did trauma ICU. Uh, cardiovascular was my primary. And then also just the general ICU where you, know, you got a lot of sepsis and um, alcohol abuse and things like that. Um, and then I moved. I just started moving around a little bit. I took full-time jobs in different places. Uh, just to, uh, I was very restricted to movement when I was working in finance. There were only a, a few cities in the U.S. that really would support uh, that level of analytics I was doing. Um, and so I took full advantage of that as a nurse. And actually, my favorite spot where I stayed a number of years was Southern Oregon. And we do miss that. Um, but now I'm in Montana. We got a mountain in my backyard. I tried <laughs> earlier to see if I could show you guys, but it just it's so sunny, it, it bleeds out. But it's beautiful. And uh, it, it's been great just being able to move around. And uh, right. I did live in my van for a little while, which was, again, a, quite a transition from my, my house <laughs> and finance. and. Um, I had a few years single as a nurse, and that's when I, I would sleep in the hospital parking lot during the day, or um, not during the day, but while I was working, and uh, security all knew me. There was actually four of us that did that at that hospital. And then uh, I'd work week on, week off. My off weeks, I'd just go to national parks and oh, wow. trail run. How, and, how long did you do that for? Uh, well, I was full-time in the van for about six months, and I'll tell you that that's overrated. Um, and the, the worst <laughs> part about it was while I was working. 
because it would the sun would just bake my van during the day and then it'd still be 80 85 degrees in the van at night when i'm trying to sleep so what i ended up doing uh i mean i don't know if this is this is probably still interesting it's a little tangential but uh i bought a 400 square foot cabin in the mountains uh in the southern cascades um that was like 45 minutes from the hospital i worked at so when i was working i was in the van i had a great place to go if it was too hot um and also rented the cabin so if it was rented i'd just be like okay i'll stay in my van tonight um and then i kept up the life i did that for a couple of years where i would uh i had the cabin sort of in my back pocket if i was right. miserable in the van and then i would i still spent a lot of time in national parks oregon coast anywhere within 12 hours of southern oregon which is pretty pretty generous and so just to be clear that was your choice right you decided that you wanted to do that Oh, definitely. Yeah, I had a, it was a pretty nice van. I mean, it was pretty cost effective since it was my only living situation. I had basically <laughs> no expenses. Um, and the cabin rented enough to pay for itself as well. So it was, it was a really, it was a really good lifestyle. And I actually do miss it quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I fell in love and it, that's kind of a one person lifestyle. <laughs> right. So I can, I can only imagine knowing you when you were when you first started out and then like meeting you <laughs> again, maybe a couple years later and then and seeing the transition that you had gone through. Oh, sure. I still hear from uh, like random people through Facebook, especially with the book out now. Um, marveling at the transition from, I also had you know, no beard and I had short hair, whereas now it's, it's quite long. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They're jealous. Know. They're all right, jealous because it's like that. The, yeah, it's the freedom that everybody wants, but the, we all somehow get tied down into doing whatever. Right. And the life of um, part-time living in national parks was universally, uh, everyone was jealous. And it, and it was amazing. I, I loved that. If it had yeah. been, if I had like more, uh, if I could have fit my de my van in the deck, parking deck at work, so it wouldn't sit in the sun all day, I think I would have done it a lot longer. Yeah, that was just when you're trying to sleep and it's, you know, it's, it's too, it's too hot. I had to, I had to look like I was a night shift nurse just parked there. I can like open up everything. And, right. and it, so, um, so how did you get into authorship? Like how did you go from nurse to author? Well, that's a, that's a fair question. I, uh, pretty much my whole life and all my degrees. And even when I was at the bank, uh, you know, I, I wrote a lot of policies and procedures because I was the head of a department. Um, everybody always told me I should write. Um, I was very, I guess, clear. I did a lot of creative writing in my free time and uh, my attention to detail with, you know, with more formalized writing is very high. And so that was always something I was interested in and wanted to try. And I had this idea for a book even before I was a nurse. I remember talking uh, to my girlfriend about it in my 20s. And I just never motivated to do it. And for anyone who's interested, I got to say my my number one piece of advice is just sit down and start writing. Uh, the whole the writing experience was wonderful. I loved writing the book and getting to know my characters and you know seeing I I felt like a god because I would put them in situations and then just see how they would react. I was I was not a plotter. They call it I was much more a pantser. They call it where you, you define your character and then let them do what they're gonna do in the, in various situations. Like George R. R. Martin of Game of Thrones is probably the most famous answer where he he doesn't really plot much at all and just goes forward. And and that was my approach as well. And, and it was very rewarding. Um, but but to back up to your question of how I got into it, once once I was living in the van and I had my cabin, I had uh, plenty of money really because I didn't have any expenses and the cabin rented all the time. I went part time at, at, in nursing, 
with the intent of trying to actually write this novel I've been thinking about for years. And and that's that's sort of when it came into being. It only took me about six months maybe to do the actual writing when I was still part-time um, in doing nephrology nursing at the hospital. So I'd work four shifts and then 10 shifts off. So two shifts a week and I'd shove them together. And then I would go somewhere and write either my cabin or you know, I'd sit around in Yosemite and uh, look at the view and put my feet up in my hammock and write my book. Uh, that, that piece of my lifestyle was very rewarding as well. Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds very like dreamy and romantic, but at the same time, like um, I, I mean, how do you actually sit down and, and write? Because I like I can sit and fantasize about a plot all day long, but to actually write it down is, is a lot of work. <laughs> well, that's the truth. Yeah, there's no question about that. It, I think if it hadn't percolated for so long, it would not have come quite so easy. I'm sort of getting ready to, you know, stretch my arms and try a second book now that I've had some success with this one. And uh, that's a, a bit more daunting because I, I really am not sure where I will go with it. But again, once I started writing, I was just so surprised. I, I, it was just, it just came, you know. And what was the ins what was the inspiration for this story? Well, that's a good question too. I want to uh, look forward to getting into because I decided with this uh, interview, and I'm going to. Uh, people are always asking me about my book and what's what is it about, and um, I'm never quite sure what to say because it is a. Uh, uh, one of its subgenres is mystery, and I don't want to give away the mystery, but I decided with you guys as nurses that I'm going to offer a small plot spoiler. Um, my friends who've uh, read it, who are nurses, are the ones that tend to pick up it, pick up on what's going on the fastest. Anyway, so it's not as much of a plot spoiler for you guys. At any rate, have you ever wondered what your patient or what's going through their brain while they're sedated? Well, that was really kind of the impetuous for my book because I spent a lot of time staring at my intubated patients and wondering that same question because, you know, obviously they're not fully conscious, but there's a lot going on under the scenes. And my favorite part's about being an ICU nurse is those patients who have a heart attack or whatever, and then they wake up off the ventilator a few days later and they're like, new lease on life. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exercise. I'm going to eat better. Like, I can't believe I woke up in ICU. Like, what happened? And you know, that was always very rewarding. I love talking to those patients. And, um, Felt them to be inspiring and so my idea for the book was while we're taking care of their physical self on the ventilator and everything else their brain is kind of in a timeout position and delves into sort of emotional health um, so i created this elaborate world um, within my main character's head where she's kind of delving back into her past um, and figuring out where she went wrong in life and uh, with the idea that maybe she would wake up with a a new lease on life physically and emotionally. Um, I also have a psychology degree, which I, I did in my 30s just, just for fun, because um, I you know, searched herself. I've always thought psychology was interesting. And that's really where the plot comes from in the book. So it's, it's kind of nursing, sedated brain, fentanyl and propofol on board. Um, and you'll see that, those of you who, especially if you've worked in ICU, you'll see that drip into the plot. And that's how some of my nursing friends sort of figure out what exactly is going on. Um, and then the, the plot itself is driven by my psychology degree, where I gave my main character something of an attachment disorder um, from a you know traumatizing experience in her youth. And she spends her life pushing people away and so on and so forth and finds herself living in a tiny home, similar to my cabin, uh, <laughs> in the mountains and wondering how she got there alone. And then she has an accident and, you know, 
her defense mechanisms stripped away, pushing people away, she needs to lean on her friends, so on and so forth. Catharsis. Um, and I, it gets a lot of, uh, one of my favorite, uh, some of the favorite feedback I get that I see in like Amazon reviews and things like that, is it gets people to think about friendships they lost over the years um, and why. And I uh, had uh, several people reach out to me through social media saying they reconnected with high school friends and things like that. And, um, that's really what I was going for. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, no, I don't think you, I mean, I, I haven't read the book yet myself, but I don't think that's a plot spoiler because um, it sounds like that's just, um, I, I love the premise of that. That sounds really interesting. Um, you know, that the idea of, what's going on in their mind. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is I thought you were 30, uh, you know, but with all these degrees, oh my goodness. Well, appreciate <laughs> you so that, young. thank you. <laughs> um, but, you know, so psychology, math, nursing, I mean, you just have this incredible experience and wealth to, to pull on. So when you uh, were coming up with a plot, what was kind of like that overarching framework that you were, that you were working under is it that is it this concept of um lost friendships or or other yeah i think uh just to be frank um it's definitely personal in nature the, the novel itself um i i went I, I made my characters much more extreme of course but i grew up with a little bit of an attachment disorder as well just from my youth and uh that's why i went back for a psychology degree to explore that and understand that and uh you know the, the the way that intimacy and vulnerability are all tied into love and um being able to express those things without you know pushing people away is a, a fear avoidant attachment disorder is actually what the character has and so i think that to some extent it's an entirely fictionalized version of my own catharsis and um learning to have a healthy relationship and so that was that was a big driver um, my personality is strewn through some of the main characters. I, so I kind of wrote it down and then made it extreme for this character or that character. Um, and I think that was, that's a lot of where it came from. And in the framework, once I had that idea was easy because I loved the idea of what, you know, what is the face thinking about? What have they been through? And, uh, I don't know, creating a, a world where she could, it's all written first person present. And so she doesn't know what's going on and she doesn't understand um, some of the surreal aspects of the, the book when she gets fentanyl pushes from the nurses or she's stacking breasts against the ventilator or whatever. Um, but I was able to create a real framework where she can uh, go through these life experiences she's had and uh, some of it is flashback, most of it is not, um, and allow her to explore those same themes and go through some of those same experiences I did and trying to learn what, what it meant to really have real friendship. I'd say ultimately the book is, it's not uh, romantic in nature. It's about friendship. Mm -hmm. So that's now interesting. That so the, the book itself has actually gone between the two worlds, like her inner mind world and the, the, um, the hospital world that she's in. Well, that's exactly. Uh, and that's sort of why it's a mystery. Um, you don't really know she's in the hospital for 95% of the book. Okay. Um, and like I said, mostly nurses figure it out a little earlier because I would I interspersed certain uh, surreal aspects into the book that you're like, well, that, is that 
is she being suctioned right now? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I think, uh, you know, usually I've had, I think your average reader figures out kind of like, oh, okay, this is, there's something else going on here about two thirds or three quarters through the book. Um, but like your nurses and ICU nurses in particular, I had one tell me they were like 40 pages in. They're like, oh, okay. I, I think I know what's going on. And I still loved the book. So that's not like it really diminishes how your appreciation of it. And uh, in fact, right, you'll right. probably appreciate all the little details. Um, as you know, I was going to say, it makes me want to read it more knowing that it's like kind of set in uh, like this type of setting. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and well, like I said, I, as I've gone through this process, I spent a lot of time debating, like, how much do I share with people? I don't want to spoil that re revelation. Um, but I, that's really not a big part of the novel. Really, the novel is the character's journey through her attachment disorder. And, you know, hopefully she's ready for um, as she comes to and moves on with her life after her accident, that she's ready for more meaningful connections with her friends. Uh, so what is the name of the book? Uh, it's called My Father's Indian. And it's subtitled uh, How a Butterfly Split the Oak. Um, All right, so you're going to have to explain that. <laughs> incidentally, as a side, that was my view uh, at my cabin. Oh, nice. So as, I wrote the, uh, as I wrote the book, that's kind of what I was staring at. And I, I love the cover. Um, I really wanted to capture, Susie is my main character. I wanted to capture her emotional and physical isolation. And so you've got sort of the, you know, the, inversion layer here and the fog and the trees. It's very uh, kind of an eerie, isolated picture. And then you've got these dark trees in the foreground blocking you from it. I, I, I was very pleased with the picture. I wanted to use one of my own wilderness photos and I saw that one. I was just like, oh, man, that's, that's perfect. Um, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, it also ties so, it back to my own journey, being my, my view from the cabin and my own isolation in the woods. Um, as far as explaining the uh, title, I would say that is also a plot spoiler that it's not shareable. Uh, and it's one oh. of those things. I hope, I okay. hope it's intriguing and uh, draws people in. Uh, it's very intentionally vague. And uh, little, it's one of those things that little bits and pieces of that title appear in the story um, and kind of ties all together towards the end. Okay. Um. So, you know, how long basically did it take you to, to get this book out? Well, uh, I think I mentioned the actual writing was about six months and that was great. Loved it. Um, I was so excited as I went through the process and really got to know the characters and um, saw them evolve, uh, created character arcs. And it was rewarding. It was my own catharsis. There were, there were parts where I cried while I was writing it. Um, and that, that was just a great experience. Six months. The next like year after that was terrible. Um, <laughs> it's just part of the process, I guess, but going back through and editing it, um, trying to get an agent, um, we're trying to get publishers, um, getting people to read it and give me feedback. Uh, that, was, that, that process was very unpleasant for the most part. The, uh, the, the industry is completely saturated. And as a unknown author, with without a even a creative writing masters or something, which even even those don't really give you a lot of uh, clout. Uh, it's near impossible to get uh, an actual agent's attention. You, you send them this personalized query and you give them like a page of your writing and you're supposed to draw them in, and most of them don't even respond because they're totally slammed. And I, I just felt yeah. that to be very, very insulting. 
they could really send you a form rejection. <laughs> a canned response or something. Thank you for your oh, suggestion. Yeah. So at yeah. least I know it was received, but that's just not any. And it's just a numbers game because it's so saturated. I, I read recently in 2016, there was 1.6 million um, independently published books. And though you think about, you know, all those people sending 50 or 100 queries to agents, I mean, the agents are just swamped. I mean, they just, they have no time to deal with trying to find the next uh, um, big author. And they basically just go with their their current group is, is my understanding. And that's... Uh, that's just the reality of it. And it, the best way for me to succeed as an author, if that were my long-term goal, which is still in debate, is to write another one. Now that I've had mm -hmm. some success with one, it would be a lot easier to get someone's attention. So do how many um, agents are there out there? Are there like literally thousands of agents or? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard to say how many, and it's also hard to ascertain their actual skill set and you know, they'll, they'll mention authors they represent, and it's rarely authors you know. If you do know the author, those agents are not accepting new clients. So it's, I don't really know the answer to your question. There is sure, okay. sure, surely thousands, maybe tens of thousands. So, okay. so what did you end up doing? Well, I spent some time doing that query process and trying to get an agent and hated it. Um, I felt like nobody even read what I sent them. I've only got a couple of responses and uh, doing research. That's basically how it is for somebody who's unpublished. So I look back at that and I think, well, maybe I should have spent more time because I definitely closed some doors, but not being able to get into a real publishing house, as they say. But uh, I'm not sure I made a mistake either because it's just the odds of that, of getting into anybody's hands that will, you know, buy into your so low. So I ended up doing, I got real tired of that quickly. I sent out a lot less queries than your average um, new author. Um, I think I was sort of insulted, to be honest with you. <clears throat> um, and I, I did a lot of research into self-publishing. And I ended up going through Amazon to self-publish initially, which was fine. And then I also, uh, a few months later, signed with a distributor. Um, so I have sort of two, uh, two outlets where I'm um, distributing the book right now. And the, the greatest challenge for that, I've mentioned that 1.6 million number recent, a few minutes ago, is uh, just trying to figure out how to stand out in that process. And I've been reading independent published since I did it myself, and there's a wide variety in quality. In fact, most of it is not very good. And so it's hard to get people's attention when that is where you are. But it's also the reality of the industry, since almost the only way to be a new author is to self-publish. You, you hear the success stories, of course, but they're one in 10 million. So uh, I went to great lengths of research, um, typesetting. Sorry, I just looked through my book. I surrounded myself with like piles right here where I'm sitting now of all the books I own and made it look like those as much as possible in terms of uh, the typesetting and the formatting and um, font. Like all those things are uh, really important in terms of making it look professional. And I was just recently picked up by Barnes and Noble, um, which of course is a great success. That puts me like, you know, 99.9 .9 percentile of independently published authors. And uh, the reason for that is because one, well, to get to my point, a big reason for that is because it looks like a 
not a self-published book. It looks very professional. It looks just like everything else on the shelf that they'd be proud to display. And then the other big driver is I, I finally, after great rigmarole and effort, got two um, professional critics to read it, and both of them reviewed it positively. So on the strength of those, the professional quality book as well as the reviews is why I got picked up. Oh, wow. Uh, how did you get the critics to review it? Uh, well, I'm a little embarrassed to admit, but it's just the way the industry is, is you have to pay to even get them to consider it. And so uh, that's what I did. And I feel like that on the front already excludes a lot of uh, independently published types because they can't afford to do that. Um, and it wasn't exorbitantly expensive, but when you make just a few dollars per copy you sell, uh, you know, the idea of making that money back is pretty low. I've, I also read... Uh, your average independent published book sells 50 copies, which blows my mind because that's, you know, you spent thousands of hours on this thing. Um, that's, uh, I would have been heartbroken if I sold 50 copies, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really appreciate um, you sharing this because this is huge. Um, for, you know, I think it helps to set expectations, especially for people like, we, when we talk to nurses about writing books, um, you know, we tend to write books as marketing tools. And, you know, I think there's this perception that you'll write a book and make a lot of money. And I'm like, no, that's not why you're writing the book. <laughs> I mean, right. I guess it's possible, but I don't know really how to guide you in that process. Um, but yeah, I mean, just to have, you know, hear it, I think is, is just, you know, thank you so much for, for, talking about this because it's so like it's real and, and um you know we all pay for marketing in different ways and marketing is one of the most expensive parts of basically any business um and you know how how you spend that money uh is is really important and to be strategic with it, it is uh, i i mean that was that was a brilliant idea it never occurred to me that you could do so, that you could do that um but that's that was brilliant yeah, that ended up being a great investment to get the attention of the professional reviewers. Because, um, uh, like I said, I wouldn't be uh, getting out there now uh, into the bookstores on the shelves without those. Um, and I, I think a lot of people are afraid to take that uh, step because it's not like they're offering you a good review. They're like, we'll 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 look at it and let you know if we'll write a review, and um, and we're going to be honest. So it's very, it's very <laughs> yeah, that's um, brutal. <laughs> But getting back to the financial side, I mean, I'll be frank, I'm still in the hole. I don't know if I'll ever dig out of it because, uh, yeah, I mean, the idea of how many books I'd have to sell to make back my marketing, I'd have to sell hundreds alone just for some of those uh, professional reviews. But we'll see. It's just starting to pick up. You know, if I can start to get where I'm selling thousands, you know, that's where you start making a few dollars. But the, even then, you know, the time I spent on this book, uh, you look at my hourly. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. So it's more about I'm very I'm so proud of the book and yes. uh, I love like people reading it and getting back to me. Um, I've sold it to a lot of people at the hospitals I worked at. That definitely worked in my favor. I've been in six different hospitals, and so I've uh, reached out to them. I have like flyers up in the break room and ICU and stuff like that. Um, and that's been a great uh, marketing opportunity for me. And uh, this this as well, just being introduced to another group of nurses. Is really that's a, I think that's the everybody seems to appreciate the emotional journey of the character, but the the little added benefit of uh, having the nursing perspective goes a long ways too in terms of enjoying the book. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, so, you know, and it, you know, when you think of publishers as well, like I, I know a lot of the, the publishers want you to come ready-made with your own audience. So if you don't have like a million followers or something, you know, they don't, they don't really want much to do with you. Um, so, you know, basically you end up doing the marketing on your own regardless. Um, so uh, what you yeah, it's pretty amazing. So are, have you been doing, what other types of marketing um, are you looking at and how are you kind of pushing this forward? Well, you you uh, effectively highlight mistake number one. I've never really cared about social media. Um, and even while I was writing the book, I didn't really think about it or, you know, have a plan. I was just excited to be like finally <laughs> motivated to be writing this thing. I, was, I didn't even have a, a any I think I had a Twitter account, but I didn't have any followers until after I had published. And that was a mistake. Um, social media is a huge platform for being able to get people just aware. Like, how do you stand out from these millions of independently published books or books in general? And so that was something I should have done in advance is uh, a lot more effort on the social media side, like drumming up my book and getting people interested before I published it. And uh, that, again, would be something I could remedy a little bit uh, with the second book, where I've actually got a following and people interested in who I am. Uh, I did build a website also after publishing. Again, it should have been before, but it's uh, been a good driver um, for people to learn about the book. Uh, I'd, be, I'd love if anybody wanted to look at it. Um, in this group, it's just ericdorseyauthor.com. And uh, it, it does have a blog or a photo blog anyway, uh, some of my time living in van which a lot of people find interesting and that drives some traffic. So having that, well, um, I don't know, interesting aspects of my history has driven people to the book as well. Uh, and she, and a lot of the book does take place in the wilderness. And so I, I'm obviously drawing my own experience on that. Um, and other marketing, I've tried a lot of different things uh, with different types of success. Uh, Amazon ads are not geared towards novels at all i mean it's not a microwave um and i learned that maybe the hard way although i didn't spend a ton of money there um and maybe i got a little exposure where i was showing up on people's amazon page um, but i didn't i didn't make very many sales and i certainly had a huge negative in terms of return on investment for my amazon ads um and the, the issue with that and a lot of advertising today is i i don't make very much per book my royalty is pretty small it's priced um inexpensively in order to draw readers in because that's really my goal and because of that oh thank you for putting up my website um <laughs> i lost lost my train of thought but anyway uh, amazon maybe, ads, well, yeah. that's okay yeah amazon ads it's all like cost per click and you, you know you do your bidding um so you know you bid 50 cents or something to show my book to somebody you think is going to buy it that's how it works and uh they show it and so the person clicks on it, you pay 50 cents. And the, the real issue with that on a novel is you don't, nobody who clicks on it once is gonna buy it, at least not, I mean, not nobody, but it's a, it's a percentage thing. You get a hundred clicks and you make a sale or you know, 50 if you're lucky, maybe 20. But if I'm paying 50 cents a click, I, you know, I'm running in the hole every time. So it's, it's, it's a very ineffective way to market, I discovered. Um, and Facebook is a little bit better because uh, you can really tailor your audience in Facebook to who you want to um, reach out to. Um, currently building an ad specifically for nurses who like fiction 
with like mysteries, you know, you can really kind of narrow in on who you want the ad to be displayed to. And so it's the same cost per click method, but hopefully you're getting a lot more sales at a lower click rate. Yeah, the, the whole marketing, the whole advertising marketing piece is, it's, uh, it can be very, very expensive and very frustrating uh, to navigate through. Um, uh, and we see it a lot with the, our nurses who will drive traffic to a website or something. And, you know, it's not enough just to have somebody see your website or see your book on time. Like you're saying, it, it's kind of like one of those things where it has to be really targeted. Yeah, um, but I feel like uh, you have so many storylines coming through here, not just like from living in the van to your leaving your, your uh, fancy job to... Uh, you know, your EMT stories, like you could appeal on s to so many different storylines on so many different podcasts. Uh, you know, here it's it, we're about nurses and business, uh, which has nothing to do with your book, but it's, you know, the storyline that I think is, is really fascinating. Yeah, I appreciate that commentary because uh, I'm trying to drive traffic that way. Like that's, I mean, like I said, the whole van life is a, a feature of my website because that's what people are interested in. Um, and much more so than a random book they've never heard of. And they go to the right. website to look at the van, and they're like, oh, you, you read this book. That sounds kind of interesting. And so that's a, a great way to drive traffic if you've got those um, types of unique characteristics. And the, and the same thing is true for me. Um, I have several uh, professors reading my book right now because I think it could be used in a psychology classroom. And so I have a couple of psych professors from my history and my psych degrees, or my psych degree, as well as uh, studied psych at a couple different colleges. Um, just because I was interested. And so that's an outlet for me too, as well. You know, I'm very hopeful that one of them at least will be like, okay, we'll try this in a senior seminar class to talk about attachment disorders and um, we'll see how that goes. And then I also have like all my nursing professors uh, have it and some of them have, have loved it. And uh, I think it could be introduced to uh, nursing students as well. I always tell the, the students in my hospital about it. And, you know, for a nursing student, it's like part escape to a fictionalized world and part research because you know they might right. they want to be an icu nurse or any kind of nurse might be interested in the content well there's but, no, there's no better way to learn than to through story right like <laughs> that's how we remember things exactly and especially an engaging one and, and that's that's the another part of my favorite feedback is it's a quick read and uh you know once once you get into it which is you know towards the beginning People tend to be like, okay, I couldn't put it down after that. After this happened in the story, I couldn't put it down. And that, uh, I think, blends itself really well to students, you know, because they can burn through a book in a weekend and they'll right, remember right. what happened. Yeah, and the, yeah, there's, I mean, the beginning part is important because there's nothing worse. That, you know, my mom would be like, oh, you just have to get through the first half of the book and then it gets good. And I'm like, well, I don't want to read the first half of the book if it's not good. No. True story. Yeah, I don't think mine picks up as fast as it should, to be honest. That's one of my uh, um, regrets, and I should have like put more action in the very beginning. But well, so what? What is what is kind of like the timeline for this uh, the second book coming out? Like that's very um, ambitious, and you know, yeah, uh, to to come up with a second book already. Well, I have uh, I have some ideas. I think I have like a loose direction and plot um, kind of stemming from my time in the ambulance. I think I could have some um, 
better action at the start to hook people in. And um, I, I'm really interested in relationships, um, particularly platonic or non-intimate anyway. And uh, that would sort of be the driver as well. Although I wouldn't use the same, um, I almost call it a gimmick, plot device as uh, being a you know, sedated patient. As far as timing, I haven't started it. I've, I've written a plot, uh, like a loose outline. I'm really trying to push this one more right now. I need to get uh, more readers, more reviews, and that's that's a big driver right now. Yeah. So I don't really have a good answer. I hopefully well, we'll start it this year. The good news is is that uh, you know once you finish that book, and if it took you six months to write the first one, maybe it'll be that that same. But you already have an audience that's being built up, so the second one should be. Thousand times easier for you. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm not too worried about the writing, and I have so many insights now into what I would do differently on the marketing side, as well as possibly getting more attention from the literary world uh, and agents and whatnot, um, based on my success here. But uh, it's exciting to think about how that would go. I just need to, to some extent, uh, everything in my book is is extremely detailed like there's a lot of really minor details that make sense later like it's all li linked together and that that was the hardest part about writing it probably and that's a little intimidating to try to replicate that level of uh attention to the minor details and making it all tie together at the end and not earlier and that, yeah. that, make, that gives me pause because that, that took a lot of once i had written written the first book and then going back through it and and ticking and tying everything together um, was very, it was rewarding, but it was kind of tedious. And I, I, I guess I'm a little uncertain of whether I could replicate that <laughs> uh, success. Cause it, right. it, I, I, I read this thing, I've read it recently, actually I reread it, you know, and it's been a year and a half or so. Yeah, well, over a year and a half since I finished it. And I just I marvel at it. I'm like, I, I can't believe I produced this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, who wrote this? I was oh, going to say, is it, is it hard to read your stuff? Kind of like, you know, it's hard for me to listen to podcasts that I've done. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, the con I think the content's great, but it's hard to listen to my voice. And I, I don't know if it's the same thing with, like, writing. A little bit if you find something where, man, I would wish I'd tweak the sentence. Or, you know, but I, I try not. I try to be like, okay, it's finished product. I'm not going to take that mindset. I'm just going to enjoy it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really a remarkable to reread and just be like, I can't believe I, I, did, I put this all together where it comes together like this. And that, 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 it was very rewarding to reread it. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I almost want to read it again, but I didn't give it a few months. <laughs> uh, well, congratulations on your book. I think that's awesome. Um, I. Definitely looking forward to reading it. Uh, I'm down here in, in Mexico, and we don't really get mail down here, so I'm gonna have to wait until I get back in June um, before I get to it. But um, I'm very excited to to read it. Um, Thank you. I would I would love to pick up some readers in this call, but if not, I understand. I'm also very interested. If anyone would like to reach out to me through my website and has additional questions and those kinds of things, uh, I'm very open to that. And uh, I do sell signed copies through my website if anyone's interested, but you can also find it anywhere online. And like I said, Barnes and Noble. Um, awesome. So. awesome. All right, Eric. Well, thank you so much for sharing this with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was, it was really a pleasure. And I hope uh, somebody 
got something out of it. I, <laughs> I've learned a lot in this process and I, I wish I could have watched one of these a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody take care.